Welcome to E20, your unofficial EastEnders podcast. We give you weekly roundups of Walford life. I'm feeling a bit like drunk Linda at the moment. I have no idea what day it is. Emma. And like Keegan, I need a loan. Not for a business, for hand sanitizer. It's just so expensive nowadays. Connor, so what's coming up this week, Emma? We will be rounding up the last two weeks of EastEnders episodes. You know, now we're fortnightly and they're going two a week. So sad. (laughs) But don't worry, we will be back every week because we've got our fan fiction to keep us all entertained. Yay! So we have your Slapping Dan, your hero of the week, and of course your favourite scene. And today we will be playing Best of Friends, the Stenders edition. Oh, wow. Such a good show that was. It's nothing like the show. It's (laughs) nothing like the show, but. It does have its name. So, it's still sort of like the show. But first, here's the jingle. Dun, 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 dun. You ain't my mother! Yes, I am! Get out of my pub! You need a slapping den! You bitch! You cow! Look at your coat. Hello, princess. Frank! Stice! in the fridge! Sausage surprise! Hope you enjoyed the fireworks! Good night! So we want to spread some positivity and we have a few shout outs and thank yous to say today. So I'm going to kick off with Queen C on Podbean who said, This podcast is my absolute fave. The hosts are fun and interactive. They really make you feel part of the show. My partner and I listen to them all the time and he doesn't even like EastEnders. Wow, we've converted someone then. We've converted? (gasps) That's quite impressive. I know. I'm well impressed with that. (laughs) I know. So Gerberg on Apple said, when Doc Cotton confirmed she wouldn't be returning, this podcast is the opposite to that news. This is awesome. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love a Dot reference anyway. You know me. I love any reference to Dot. I just imagine she's having some great time with Father Dominic. I mean, slash Dermot. Slash Dermot. Yeah, we do love a good Dot Cotton reference. Us really do. We do. We just do. like our Kathleen... We love we love a Kathleen reference. Kathleen references. Oh. Bring back red water. <laughs> we could have, like we've suggested before, because Dot's in Ireland now, a Dot spin-off in red water. Yes. Should Dot. we write that? Yeah. Oh my god, we should. Fan fiction. There you go. There we go. That's the next fan That'd fiction. Be- <laughs> That'll be the next one. Us help now, Dot Cotton in Red Water. <laughs> <laughs> she start her own investigations, like you know, like a, a private eye. <laughs> oh, I say. <laughs> That's what a catchphrase could be every time we bring a piece of evidence to her. Yeah. She's good. Oh, I say. Dot. It turns out that Father Dominic's been used in the church as some sort of drugs lair. Oh, oh I, I say. say. <laughs> <laughs> we went really posh there for no apparent reason. We're like, oh, I, I say. Oh, I say. She's just completely changed. They know we can't do accents. <laughs> <laughs> listeners know. <laughs> Back to the thank yous. Yes. Dottie's Callum on Instagram was asked, what is your favourite podcast on her stories? And the person who asked the question replied with theirs anyway. And Dottie's Callum replied with, my favourite answer, the correct answer. E20 is pretty much the only one I listen to and is superior. 
You have oh, excellent taste. You have fantastic taste. Thank you so much. I loved that when it came up. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> Feel honoured. <laughs> <laughs> you like me. You really like me. <laughs> we are here, aren't we, that woman? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Also, Annie Mae, thank you for your wonderful impressions. Each one was a hundred times better than ours. And you are hired yes. as Kathy for the fanfic. I enjoyed every single one, but like, I'm going to definitely put you down as Kathy because, I mean, mine was horrific. I feel like I desperately need Annie Mae to take over my Sonia. I have created something that's deeply disturbing and wrong. I just feel like my Sonia, it should be not heard ever again. It's like the worst I think we need to do public apologies so we're that bad. I'm going to put her down as Sonia as well. So, Annie Mae, you're also Sonia. Sonia as well. All characters. <laughs> A reading by Annie Mae. 4020, because they are terrible <laughs> impressions. <laughs> So also last week, we asked some EastEnders in isolation related questions and some of you have sent in your thoughts and feel free to keep them coming and we can read them out next week. So we asked if you were in isolation with one character and had to start a podcast, who would it be with and what would it be about? So Jill on Instagram said she would love to do a podcast with Dot Cotton as she is a legend and their podcast would be... 10 prayers for each family on the square and they would no doubt uncover years worth of iconic gossip. Well, you know what Dot's like. She'll oh, definitely be yeah. in all that goss, wouldn't she? So much gossip. Oh, I would love that. You know me, I love I love Dot Cotton. I'd have a bit of Dot any day. I would listen to that. Yeah. Imagine everything she would uncover. She'd be like, well, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. You know a classic, not yeah. one to gossip. And then tell us some massive bombshell none of us knew about and we'll tune in every week like, what are you going to say this week? (laughs) I loved it because in the old, like the old classics, she would always just like barge into people's homes and lives and be like, I just thought I I love it. That's the classic dot. We also had a comment from Gemma on Instagram who said she would love to do a podcast with Pat Butcher. And find out more about her relationship with Peggy. I would yeah. love that. Well, you know me, I love those two. Them in the ice cream truck, them fighting and calling each other, you know, um, a cow and a bitch. I love it. That's my go-to. So I would love to say that. I would love to hear that one as well. And I would love to know more about, like, the ice cream van. Like, yeah, and what, in how, detail. How much they ate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that, again, there'll be more iconic gossip from that too. Exactly. They would know everyone's business. They've been around for so long. So we also asked, who would you give your last toilet roll to? Who would you send to brave the shops for you? And if you can only watch episodes with one character in, who would you choose? Well, we got a lovely response from Stephanie Lloyd on Instagram. She said she would give her last toilet paper to Callum and get Ben to do the shopping. I think that's a very smart decision, really, when you think about it. Yeah, I don't because... think Ben would care and would be like Phil and just trample over people for everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would be smuggling in loads of, like, um, toilet roll from, like, you know, Ireland or somewhere else. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Bootleg toilet roll. He would have he would have you well stocked. Um, 
And she also said if she could only watch episodes featuring one character during isolation, it would be Ben, as they have the most in common. I mean, Ben is a really interesting character anyway. He's got some great storylines. Yeah, imagine going back to early Ben when he was doing all of his dancing. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Those were classic. Good days. So another thing we would like to thank you for is getting involved with our fan fiction and choosing what you would like to see. Remember, next week it won't be another roundup. That'll be the week after. But in between all of these, we'll be doing our fan fictions. So next week's episode will be chapter three. Chapter three, chapter three. Chapter three, And also, we're going to put out on Saturday and Sunday the full episodes of chapter one and chapter two. So look out for those and you can listen to them in full so you don't have to go and find them somewhere in in other episodes. (laughs) If you've forgotten anything, you can go and listen back and be ready for chapter three next Thursday. Would you like to hear what you voted for, though? Ooh, yes, please. So you have voted and have chosen. We'll be going on holiday somewhere. Where (gasps) will it be? Well, just like the Venga boys, you've chosen... That we're going to Ibiza. To Ibiza. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. I can't wait. Get, get me some cream. Factor 50, we burn easily. Yeah, we do burn easily. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also be holidaying with the Mitchells. Oh, fabulous. Can't wait for all that drama. Connor will be having a holiday kiss with Jay. <gasps> oh, my press would be that sad. He's having a good time until... An accident happens and it's a boat accident. Oh, <laughs> well, I hope I survive. <laughs> hope it's not like a scene out of Jaws. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Ian Beale's not going to be there, so he's not going to lock you in any rooms or anything. You're going to be okay. Thank God. And we have a guest character and it is Lisa Fowler. Oh, my God, Queen. Hello. Queen of Portugal. Queen of Portugal, we're going to meet her. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm meeting the, the actual queen, like Queen Elizabeth. I do. She needs some time to breathe and then we'll go straight under the roundup. Yes, please. Dun, 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 dun. Danny's back. Not again. Gangster plan. Who ordered this again? Doc Martin, Doc Martin, Doc Martin. Oh no. So yeah, Danny is back. Does anyone remember or care? Oh God, not the gangster storyline again. Can't Not do it. Again. Can't do this anymore ever. I cannot do. What about me? I feel like feel like. What about me? What about my needs? I cannot watch this storyline again. Like I just can't ever. And if they bring Dark Martin into this, oh, I am no. going to lose it. I am going to lose it. The Scouse Gangster Granny is back to try and get Ben on board with some other scheme i didn't understand it the first time never mind the second time we didn't get a proper introduction as to who he really was we just knew he was a gangster guy bad does bad things has associations with phil and then just randomly stole louise because ben threatened him or something it was all very confusing and over very quickly i mean quite like his scenes this week to be fair (laughs) (laughs) i mean that that perfectly mirrors his scenes it opens with like balam obviously having difficulties because of Ben's hearing loss and Ben not accepting his hearing loss. Callum trying to be like, let's go to the cinema. Ben's like, nah. Suddenly, the chicken man from Liverpool turns up. They're sitting in the calf discussing business, aren't they? Discussing a potential business move together. No one wants to hear Danny. 
You can't sit with us. Like, just go away. Oh. On Wednesdays, we wear leather jackets <laughs> and pretend we're gangsters. <laughs> Love a mean girl's right. And so Danny's plans not not getting Ben. It's not Ben's like, nah, I'm not interested. Not interested. No, not interested. Obviously, it's because you can't hear. Yeah, but like, he's also like, not interested. I've turned over a new. Then suddenly, it just drops in. Bull crash. And Ben's like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I don't know how that got him. <laughs> no, because the only thing Danny could possibly have heard from the news and the boat crash is that Denny's died because and that the boat crashed and there was a party on there. He wouldn't know that Phil and Ben played a massive part in it. That wouldn't have been reported because no one exactly. knew. Literally, at the time, no one really knew that. Exactly. There were reports going... Yes, Phil Mitchell and Ben Mitchell were sort of sort of responsible for the crash of a boat, and Ben lost his hearing. They were giving them a full EastEnders recap, wouldn't they? They would yeah, be like, they didn't go. Him, to a baby. <laughs> and, and that baby was Danny's brother, who also drowned because of Ian Beale locking him in a room. They didn't go, <laughs> here's your weekly roundup. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Maybe, maybe Danny's a fan of E20. Maybe. Maybe Danny's a fan of E20. That's maybe. where I got this information. Hello, chicken. <laughs> every time that line comes out i'm just like oh god why can't i do impressions <laughs> and I just say it's just not one of our talents yeah and that line like just say hello ben please i know i would have done stop please also where's phil where is phil we're all wondering that if phil was here that danny wouldn't be you know crawling around i'm sure i mean this is phil's patch still even if he is living it up in Portugal or wherever he is on that little speedboat. Probably still travelling the Thames. <laughs> yeah, just going up and down. <laughs> <laughs> so with Ben starting to kind of come round to the idea of working with this Danny, Callum's off trying to figure out how to best help Ben, as he always does, the poor thing. He's always thinking of others and... He's always trying to improve his relationship and look after Ben. I've always feel so sorry for Callum. If it's not one thing, it's another. Like if he's not getting kidnapped, he's like being rejected or it's always something really heartbreaking for him. And this week was no different. He's seeking help off Lola. Lola basically is just like, listen, Callum, I'm very busy. You know, I'm an adulterer. I've got my own life to worry oh, about. She seems to have forgot you as an adulterer. Oh, yeah. She's living now. Jay dreams at the minute. Poor Jay doesn't even know that. She's probably so carrying sad. Peter's baby now. <laughs> like, you know, just forget all about that. Forget all about that little moment, Lola. But we won't. We won't forget. We'll remember this and we'll bring it up when you and Jay inevitably have to revisit this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so without Lola's help, Callum kind of is at a loss, but has also other priorities going on he's got to prep for something that's coming up later and he thinks i'm gonna to pop to the calf where he comes across danny and ben he's not very happy though is he emma he's not the only one sharon wasn't happy to see either of them and mm. kathy was definitely not happy to see danny back no i mean come on who would be <laughs> no one like that story like <laughs> <laughs> Sharon and Kathy, they understand. They, they know. Understand. They know. They're on board. They're an A20 listener. <laughs> they understand. We can't do the Ben gangster storyline. We just can't. We just can't. So they kind of settle it, don't they? Like, Callum's a bit like, you can't be doing this anymore. But then also, 
is a bit like, I kind of still love you though. So you can kind of do it as long as it's safe. Like it's, it, they kind of leave in this really odd place for me. Like Callum's like, you shouldn't be doing this. Let's go to the doctors. <laughs> it's just very odd how they leave that. Like we'll revisit this after we've went and talked about your hearing. So they go to the doctors. Not good news. I don't like the way the doctor doesn't speak directly to Ben until Ben is like, uh, hello. I agree. I think it was very rude. Like, Callum is not his interpreter. He's his boyfriend. Like, yes, it's nice that Callum's there to support him. And, of course, he's allowed to be involved when Ben says he can. But that doctor from the get-go is just talking to Callum. Like, Callum's not not an in-betweener. Like, he's not like a, a middleman to translate everything. I mean, he doesn't know sign language, so why would you be telling him? I just find that really rude of the doctor. But we did find out of the doctor that Ben's operation's not going to be for another four weeks. And then he basically suggested to Ben, because this operation's not a guaranteed fix, and because you could be waiting a while, maybe you should, you and your loved one should think about taking up some courses. British Sign Language. Which Emma has has been taking part in, by the way. I have. I've learned... Yeah quite a bit in my time in quarantine or whatever we're calling this at the moment (laughs) isolation social distancing I don't know anymore there's so many different words for it um I've been wanting to do it for a while I've been saying to you for ages how I've been wanting to get on a course and do it and now I thought well there's no better time to start so I've started it I'm doing beginners and then hopefully after beginners and we are allowed out in the open with the world I can go and learn it with people at a proper course and like go up a level up until I can be qualified I'm going to keep it going I'm really enjoying it and yeah I'm doing it good good I think it's great Emma showed me a bit of what she's learned this morning and I was very impressed so I can sign welcome to E20 I mean that was everything and the whole alphabet which I think's fab Uh, numbers (laughs) one to a hundred colors and organizations Ben though doesn't want to learn any of this (laughs) he's just like no, I'm going to learn how to hear. Ben should come round. We can learn together, have a lovely time. Callum, you know, you're welcome to join. Yeah, exactly. Once social distancing's over, come yeah. on over. Huh? Obviously not now. <laughs> <laughs> not right now. <laughs> so, as we said, Ben basically refuses the help and the suggestions of the doctor, which, with the doctor being rude, I'm not surprised. But, you know, he just leaves. He basically said, I've had enough. I'm not going to sit here and be told that I'm not going to hear. I'm going to learn how to hear. I'm going to be better. I just need to wait for this operation. I'll be fine. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you should take up sign language in Ben because (laughs) five minutes later, Stuart, like, pops up behind him, uh, stalls the life out of him, and then proceeds to do really bad sign language again. (laughs) As per usual. I love when he went, it's Stuart Highway. I'm Stuart Highway. As if... He couldn't see him. <laughs> yeah, he's not blind, Stuart. He's deaf. He can't see you. I love it. I just love it. And then he's going, West Ham. <laughs> I loved West Ham. I don't, I don't know. I West don't know what Ham. This yeah. It looked West... like um, X Factor, didn't it? When they, yeah. when they West... used to do it on the telly and they used to go, X Factor. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. The cross. I know our listeners obviously can't say that we're doing. We're doing with normal gestures. Doing the X gesture. Yeah, then he was going like this. Party. Yeah. Celebration like this. I'm just like, 
What does hands in the air mean, though, to didn't, someone? Didn't he just do this weird thing for birthday cake? Like, he just took his two arms and, like, raised <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, that. I like, what's that? <laughs> Elevator. <laughs> I loved football. <laughs> I loved the football then when he headed it. Hey. Football. I love, I love Stuart. Like, he's just so funny. But please don't ever take up sign language, Stuart. <laughs> I think he should take it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably actually. <laughs> but learn a thing or two. Never teach it. <laughs> you should just never teach it. <laughs> yeah, preferably. <laughs> but then, surprise, surprise, Ruby turns up. Where's she been? Where's she been? I have no idea where she's been. She's been gone. For, I was starting to worry. I was starting to think maybe we'll have to put face on a milk carton. This, have, have you seen, seen this girl? Have you seen this lady? She runs the club A20. Now rubies. Like, yeah, now rubies. <laughs> yeah. Used to be Scarlet's. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Used to be her sister's name. <laughs> I just love her. Now um, she's got the limelight. <laughs> I was shocked that she turned up for five seconds. Well, I was shocked that she would hand over a club for some dodgy dealings that she didn't think were dodgy dealings. Well, hoped weren't dodgy dealings, should I say. Uh, yeah. Just to Ben, who's not a friend. I mean, I would give the gangster storyline to Ruby. Yes. I don't understand why she has not been given the gangster storyline. This would be a really good storyline for her, considering her family were involved in gangster behaviour for most of her life. Let's see Ruby Allen take on Johnny Allen's legacy, please. Oh, yes. I would live for that. I would live for it being her and Stacey. Like, <laughs> Being the new gangsters of the square, taking people down. That will be everything. And as you said last week, like Jay at home making a tea for her. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, the gangster wife. Yeah. <laughs> Stacey takes Martin's leather jacket and he stays at home, does her oh. tea, and off them do go. Everything. That will be everything. It's a spin off we want. The spin off we all deserve. <laughs> Ruby throwing people off bridges. Enjoy your flight. <laughs> oh, what an iconic line. <laughs> Sadly, we got none of that. Ruby's no. like, yeah, you can use me club. <laughs> just disappears. Back to the void with you, Ruby. Like, where does she go? She just disappears for like three months. So, whilst Ben is obviously off at Ruby's um, and having his little tete-a-tete, his little talk about the business, the shady business that the shady gangster business. Callum finds out and is going to be late for his assessment for the umpteenth time because he goes to look after Ben. How many times has he went to do that assessment? Oh, assessment. This assessment. How many times? Since like before Christmas this has been going on. It's just too much. He just needs to get this assessment done. So they end up meeting up at the club. Callum comes in, he's like, wait, 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 I'm his assistant. I'm his, like, helper. Danny obviously doesn't buy this for one second and essentially figures out that Callum is sort of police, is trying to be a police. And so then they end up in a bit of a row. Callum almost gets killed (laughs) or beaten up or something, whatever that bodyguard of Danny's was going to do. But then Ben shouts that he's deaf. Well, temporarily, and mm-hmm. Callum is there as his translator because he can't hear him. He's not there because he's police. Yeah, which 
kind of brings their discussion, their little plan to an end anyway, doesn't it? Like, nothing's going to happen now. Like, Danny is just kind of a bit like, mm, I'm not going to yeah. get in bed with someone I don't trust. And I just thought, well, Ben doesn't want to get in bed with you either, Danny. Yeah, that's a weird saying, isn't it? Get into yeah, bed with is. you. Like, they weren't getting into bed. No one wants to get in bed with Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not Ben. He's got talent. I was very distracted in that scene because I felt like they were playing the music that we were playing in our ears, the free YouTube music, when we done Linda's Loose Lips. Yes, they were. It sounded, it sounded like were. that. I don't know if it was, but it sounded like it. And I was like, Ruby, get a license. <laughs> get a license, love. Did he spend it all on the sound effects? Did he send it, spend it all on them train sound effects? The <laughs> well, anyway... I mean, you know, we're, we're talking as if she's having a bad day. Poor Callum has an even worse day. Because then him and Ben end up in a horrific row. Horrific row. It's like one of their worst ones yet. Callum cries. Ben's really annoyed. Keeps going, I can't tell you, I can't tell you. And then storms off. And then goes, gets touched up by a dirty old man. That was awful. That was absolutely That was vile. the worst scene ever. Oh, it was when his hand was, no. <laughs> oh, creepy. Creepy. Is he taking it over after? Leo's job, yeah. Creeping he is. Lecherous, horrible old thing. So Ben basically decides he's going to play this dirty old man at his own game and take his car. What could go wrong? Well, a lot, apparently. Because before he can even get out of the driveway or the parking lot or whatever that is around the pub, he gets stopped by a police officer who looks strangely like he was going to strip. I know, I didn't think he was a real police officer. That uniform <laughs> didn't look like it was a real one. I know, I was like, he's given like Ben stripper eyes. Like yeah. he's given him like, like his presence and was very strippery. Yeah, as he was walking towards him, I was like, you don't look like you want to arrest him. You look like you want to do other things. <laughs> this is a spin-off now, like <laughs> the police and the Ben. This minute Ben, the spin-off. They go on a little adventure, <laughs> a little gay adventure. I love that. Sadly, Ben does get arrested. This isn't a stripper. Turns out he was um, a real policeman. Yeah, even though he didn't dress like it or give that impression at all. And somehow knew that Ben was deaf as well, which was That was, was strange. Weird. That was very I know strange. That How did he know? He mentioned it to the guy who he stole the car of. He did mm. mention it briefly. But that's not something... What you got? I just be every car stolen by a deaf man. Like you would just say, I've just had your car stolen. I know who it is. Yeah, you would describe him as young or something. Yeah, go deaf. So whilst Ben's off in jail or the holding cells, Callum's actually made it to his assessment. Surprisingly, congratulations, that, Callum! Congratulations. Finally, he's made it there. I thought, God, he's never going to make it. So. Callum's talking to Mick about his assessment. Mick's obviously over the moon for him. And we all are. We're chuffed that Callum's finally getting to live his police fantasy. I can't wait to see all of his arrests. I think that'll be really fun. <laughs> that could be I'm a sure. spin-off. Could be. Could be. Oh, my God. Detective Callum. Oh, has a ring to it. Just Callum parole in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> I love Looking that. Looking for criminals. <laughs> <laughs> like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Cop Callum. <laughs> I love that traffic cops starring Callum. <laughs> oh, how good would that be? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? A petition to make that happen, please. Petition to make that happen. We'll make sure it does, Emma. We'll make sure that gets done. 
So Kathy interrupts this lovely moment between him and Mick uh, to tell him that Ben's been arrested. Okay, Kathy. Great. Then she basically drops Ben in it. I don't get it. Is she wanting Callum to help him? Is she wanting to break them up? Because five minutes into this conversation, it's like, don't give up on him, Callum. Don't give up on him, Callum. Jack rings and she's like, what? Ben was leaving the club with a man. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. they were leaving together. Yeah, who was Who would drop their son in the way? I thought it was weird of Jack to presume that and then also Kathy to like get on board with it and mention it to Callum. Yeah. Because... Just because they were seen like they were going to leave together, that's just someone's opinion. Also, yeah, who did say that? <laughs> like, did that old man say, oh, I was meant to be leaving the club with him? Or or did, like, he say in his report, this bloke stole my car? What kind of, like, man who's trying to hide his sexuality would then also turn around and say, oh, I was meant to be leaving the club with a, a, a gay man? Because then later on, he obviously chucks away his statement because of that very thing because he doesn't want his wife to find out yeah yeah so why would he then say that he was before that leaving with that man that doesn't make any sense so how is jack on this information has he presumed it it's so strange maybe it's some sort of bystander who was like oh i think they're leaving together but the only other person who was there was tina (gasps) Mm. oh imagine she a little gossip. Is Tina a little gossip? I love that. I love that for her. I love that. Well, anyway, Callum's obviously not thrilled. Kathy basically tells him that Ben's left a club with another man, uh, has also been arrested for joyriding. Yeah, things aren't going great for Callum after no, his assessment. Not having a great time. No. I mean, he decides to go to the Vic again. I'm not sure why, but he does. He pops in and bumps into Tiff. They're both having boyfriend troubles in their eyes. Yeah, so they're they going to bond. I love this scene. She basically goes to Callum for some advice. I loved it. I love their little friendship. I think it, it was exactly what we needed after Callum had a very hard, hard few, few days. And as he says, he's a gay sense of man. So, <laughs> you know, he can give the best advice. He can give the best advice. And he does. He gives her a little bit of advice on maybe talking things through i mean i love that that's like that's the advice because really <laughs> it's just like basic understand but no one in these standards does it no one just talks to their significant other like no one just discusses their feelings do they and he's just like maybe you should just tell keegan how you feel that never happens in these standards i like when she's like that's good advice <laughs> I know, I love it. <laughs> oh i love it my favorite part of the advice is when he went don't forget the seasoning <laughs> yeah because he also gave her a recipe for making steak. I mean, I love, I just love culinary Callum. That's another spin-off. Tiff yeah. and Callum making... Hell's <gasps> Kitchen with Callum. They can make the food, right? And then Bobby can go and raid it against if it's better than prison food. Perfect. Perfect. Well, whilst Callum's, you know, being hero Callum as usual, helping Tiff out with his advice and the cooking, Ben's finally gotten out of jail. Courtesy of Jack, the go-to guy. He did give him door-to-door service. I mean, when you need getting out of jail, you always have to turn to the the trusty, corrupt copper, don't you? Jack Brannan. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't think he's only just been in this force for five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So he reminds Ben about the only reason he's out is because this guy changed his statement because he didn't want his wife to find out. And that 
he needs to stop feeling sorry for himself and life's precious. But then he bumps into Callum on his way out after he's had a bit of a... A not, Barney. Yeah, not, it wasn't a sort fight. Of. It was weird. It was a weird yeah. discussion that him and Ben had. Yeah. And he tells Callum that Ben's bad news and that if he wants to be in the force, he really needs a better choice of boyfriend. <laughs> That's ironic, isn't it? Like... I mean, Jack literally dated Ronnie after she did jail time for kidnapping a baby. He married her <laughs> and was still sort of part of the police around the time that he dated her prior to that. Um, and his, her cousin, Sam, all of whom had criminal pasts or connections. Yeah, it's weird because technically Jack was part of the Mitchells anyway. So it's like, you're not really given the best advice. <laughs> Yeah. Because you also stayed with the Mitchells anyway. So telling Callum to do that's weird. And it also reminds me of back before Christmas when he was telling them a similar thing then. Like stay away yeah. from them. I was just like, it's just odd because you yourself didn't. You married a Mitchell like three times. It's just so weird. I don't get where where Jack's loyalties are. <laughs> One minute he's helping Ben out, the next he hates him. I'm confused. Is he getting paid by the Mitchells to get them out of jail? <laughs> like, why does he do it then if he just doesn't like them? So weird. So anyway, Callum goes in to see Ben and he's like, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I've had enough. What about me? I love that line. Yeah, he's just he's just sick and tired of being a doormat, essentially. Uh, he's just tired of being a doormat to all of this garbage, this gangster garbage that comes and like, you know, levels his life. He was saying how at the police assessment, all he was actually thinking about was Ben still and how he doesn't feel like Ben does the same for him. He always worries about mm-hmm. what Ben's doing and that's not good. No. And and to be fair, like, Callum's well within his right to say these things because from his perspective, Ben's not exactly the most expressive person in the world anyway. Yeah. So from his perspective, Ben hasn't actually thought much about him hasn't really put him first what Callum didn't realize though is that Ben was willing to shoot his own dad <laughs> on the boat to save him so like if Ben was more upfront, yeah Callum would understand Callum would feel loved but because Ben's so cut off and so you know self-isolating he'll be great at coronavirus <laughs> like it's so self-isolating that like Callum just doesn't know where he stands a lot of the time I'm hoping that with this moment that's just happened with them, we're finally going to get a bit more of Ben actually being honest about his feelings and being honest to Callum about how he's feeling. Because we did see him break down quite quite a big moment where he's just, you know, like screaming and, and banging on, on the surfaces and just crying with, like, utter, utter pain. Like, it was horrible to watch. He's obviously just so struggling with everything that's happened. Denny deafness almost losing Callum he's not really dealt with losing Callum for so long and then getting him back and then losing him again like all these things he's not dealt with Callum doesn't know that Ben was the only one when he was alongside Stuart when he was missing how much like every day Ben was focusing on him rather than anything else because Ben doesn't open up about it yeah exactly I'm hoping that this massive row which did culminate in Ben breaking down and Callum I think forgiving him because he did embrace him. I think this is the sign of Ben finally letting down those walls. So, Callum may have been having a terrible week, but Whitney has been having a heck of a year. 
I mean, that poor thing. Last week, we discussed how she was starving herself, she's protesting. Well, we've now seen the effects of this, haven't we, Emma? So she was in hospital now and she was served what we noticed was pasta for breakfast. Pasta for breakfast. No wonder Bobby thought it was awful. <laughs> Bobby had was, a point. I was like, no wonder she's not eating. That's pasta. It looks like pasta with like tomato puree on. Who would eat that? So we know that she's in hospital because... Gray mentions it and then Sonia barges in to see him. So Sonia comes in and is like, she doesn't want to see any of her. And Gray goes, she let me go. Which I worked out. It's a secret code. Oh. You know what for? What? I let her go because I was fired. Ah, uh, really? I wouldn't have guessed considering he was fired. No one. How has no one clocked this, by the way? The guys that are running around like it's like jogging bottoms. <laughs> but he's lying, and he says he's gonna he's gonna make it work, and she's gonna have him back on board. More like you're gonna have to grovel. Yeah. So he goes yeah. to Caesar, and that's when we see the pasta and Whitney in hospital, and we're like pasta for breakfast. Pasta for breakfast. Pasta for breakfast. Pasta for breakfast. <laughs> it's like garlic and bread. <laughs> it's just so weird, so wrong. I mean, you know, pasta, pasta for, for breakfast. breakfast. <laughs> so weird. So Grey goes and he's like, it's personal now. It's personal. Because Leo tricked him. <laughs> Oh, he doesn't care about you now. He cares about what Leo's done to him. I do love that. It's like, it's nothing about, you know, the fact that Leo was abusive and stalking and, you know, almost murdered her. That's nothing. That wasn't personal then. Now it's personal <laughs> because he tricked Grey. <laughs> and Grey lost his job because exactly. of him. <laughs> That's the main problem. It's not that Wit almost died. Grey lost his job. <laughs> so off he goes. He needs to figure this case out because he won't let Leo win. Because it's personal now. Personal. personal. So he's like, he's got to have left his mark somewhere. So him and Sonia chatting where it could be, how it could be. She's like, you're probably looking in the wrong places. Loved her. <laughs> Love, loved her help. <laughs> you're probably looking in the wrong places. <laughs> probably got it wrong, but I'm not going to suggest anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Son. Dr. Dr. Son. Call Dr. Son. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I just love her supportive and helpful nature. Oh, fabulous. I did love when he was like, it's got to have left his mark. Like a dog. Like, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. People just going around weighing on lampposts. <laughs> no, just weighing in addicts. True, true. Yeah, because we all know that that's exactly what he did. He has a dirty bucket up there. We all know. We all know. And he's like, well, he's got to. And how does he know he's got to? That's right. Because Grey is just as much a scumbag <laughs> as Leo and can think exactly like him. So much so that he goes upstairs, lies down on Wit's bed for five seconds, Creepy. which is weird anyway. Yeah. Creepy. He seems to have known straight away, instinctively even. <laughs> I look up and there's that hole. <laughs> and ta-da, he's solved the greatest mystery in the world. The mystery that has eluded everyone on the square and all of the forensic teams and the police force completely. Leo was living in the attic after all that time. 
I mean, give him a round of applause. Give him a round of applause, people. How did no one know this? <laughs> like, no sign of breaking. House was all locked up. How did he get in? No one knew. No one knew. No one thought to maybe look in the attic. Yeah, no one, no one checked. In our room. <laughs> no one looked in our room. It, all the police officers who came in, not one of them looked up. A shady, like, abusive lawyer sits on a bed for five seconds and figures this out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I loved about it? That when they went to go up and have a look and he noticed all of Leo's stuff still there, because, as we've said, he's a clumsy criminal. He left a load of evidence that he was in there. Yeah. Sonia stole that duff dove. Yes, she did. Pulled it away, didn't she? <laughs> Literally, it went from pan into grey straight to Sonia and it went... I was like, yes, son. I just loved it because I just thought, they could have went on cash in the attic. But then, of course, if they did, they would have found all that evidence instead of cash. (gasps) Imagine if Sonia was like, because, you know, she was stealing from Dot anyway, decided to apply for cash in the attic. They all went in the attic and they were like, there's a man. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) there was no antiques, there's just a dead body. (laughs) There's just a bucket that this man was using for three months. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) I'm thinking vintage, maybe 50s, 60s, yes. 60s. (laughs) Someone will buy it. (laughs) So, Grey saves the day. The police arrive, find all of the evidence, and Grey's obviously, you know, the big hero. He goes and tells with great news. Great news. I don't understand how it would be great. Like, I can understand how it would be good news in one sense, but also it's not great news in the other because... (laughs) You're telling the girl that there was a man hiding in an attic with knives ready to kill her. That's not good news. How can you actually say that's good news? You could say, I'm going to go and tell Wit the news. I think you're right. It's not news. Yeah, Wit, we found a man's uh, evidence of knives and, and creepy messages and all the documents he had of you and your activities. That's not great news for her to hear. It's going to be terrifying. That's not going to help her. Which, understandably, when he goes and tells her the news, she was. She wasn't yeah. relieved or anything, because you wouldn't be. She you was traumatised. You'd be frightened, yeah. You'd be absolutely terrified. So, after telling with the good news, Grey was quick to go and tell his boss the good news. So, obviously, the boss decides to go around to his house, because she's a regular there. Well, she is. She just lets herself in, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> she's the best mates with him, even though she'll never hire him again. Never. <laughs> Oh, because of his his misjudgment of Leo. Even though she hired them anyway, but whatever. Yeah, she hired Leo and, and Grey. <laughs> Not only did Grey make the decision to hire Leo, but he is himself also a criminal. So <laughs> it's just astounding. It's astounding that she's got this, like, I have to judge you, Grey. Because if I don't, then I will be to blame. I love how he's decided to go in the attic. No one else has ever thought of that. Yeah. He's beat the police, beat the forensic teams, everything. And yet his boss still wasn't impressed. Yeah, no. <laughs> still not good enough. I was like, what? <laughs> I, just, I just love her. I just absolutely love her. She's just like, well, you know, the 
business has to think of his reputation. What reputation? You've hired a domestic abuser. You've, your clients or your staff have exhibited racial like prejudice towards Keegan's sandwich business. And you've hired Gray, who's also an abusive person. What reputation? So after, obviously, the boss getting that news, she's kind of like, mm, I'm still going to have to think about it, Gray. And he's like, well, I will win this case. I will win this case and get my job back. <laughs> Just love his determination. Um, and he does, to be fair, get Whitney bail. He does what he said. So everyone's waiting in the Vic to find out. All eager. He walks in and then he does the big reveal. And she walks in. She's got bail. Whitney's free. Everyone's celebrating and then randomly Kat gets a phone call and has to leave. And <laughs> and Kush is left looking after everyone, her whole family, for her temporary exit. It was very random. Just she horned into Whitney's bail. <laughs> yeah. I did love that. I was like, wait, where's Kat going? No. <laughs> who phoned? We don't know who phoned. Like, are they trying to make it Stacey? Yeah, I think it's Stacey because then I think they're presuming they're going to bring both back at the same time once obviously coronavirus has subsided. Might have been Haley. <laughs> <gasps> could have been Haley. Don't think it is, but it could have been. Because <laughs> she never said who it was. If it was Stacey, no. I would have liked to think she would have said it's Stacey. Yeah. Haley probably wouldn't mention it, would she? Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's Cherry. We haven't seen her in that long, who knows? She could have <laughs> got one. She's 13 now. <laughs> it's Terry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, farewell, cat. Farewell. We loved you, but now you're gone for some reason. You're just off the screen, shoehorned into that tiny scene, like Emma said. And- and then Scott, uh, Scott went off. <laughs> she deserved more than that. She deserved more. She deserved better. Where's Kat's left? It's all right. Because Grey is there to be the hero. He is absorbing all of the hero worship. I mean, for him, it's like a psychopath's dream, isn't it? He's like, everyone loves me. I'm the greatest. <laughs> like, that's why it's like, isn't he? He's just like, look at how great I am. Meanwhile, Chantal's like, he's evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just staring across the room. He's evil. Because Whitney was like, your husband's a hero. And Chantel's like, nope. Yeah. Chantel basically voicing every thought of the viewers. Like, we're all like, no, he's scum. Just with one he's facial scum. expression, she she showed what yeah. we all thought. Like, Whitney, no. No, no baby, no. <laughs> no, baby, no. <laughs> <laughs> so after you know all the celebrations she says to son listen this is all lovely this is all nice but i actually just think i need some time alone and i can understand that because she's obviously been through hell and back in the last few weeks at least and even more so like prior to that with all the leo stuff well it must be daunting going in to a room full of everyone just wanting to talk to you and make sure you're okay after you've been through all of that. Yeah, exactly. She probably just wants to be, like, treated globally. Yeah. That's all she wants. She probably just wants to come back to her normal life. It must be weird, though, going back into the house where it all happened, mm, which is obviously was, what she it? done. I think it was, because the minute she went in, she you could kind of already see she was looking around, she was seeing the old ghosts of the place. 
obviously not not literal. She wasn't seeing Leo like floating through the ceiling or anything. Like she was seeing all those past events play out, wasn't she, in front of her eyes? And then she went upstairs after having a bath and had come across something, didn't she? So she saw the spy hole and went to take a look. I mean, did no one think maybe we'll plaster that hole up before Whitney comes home? <laughs> nah. <laughs> that would be the smart decision. Yeah. Also, yeah. I think another smart decision would have been Sonia taking her home. Mm. I know she mm. wanted time alone. She doesn't yes. mean like full on in the house. She just meant probably going into her room and having a shower and things like that. Not like yeah. alone alone. Or Tiff should have come over. Yeah. Like, I feel like, where is Tiffany in all of this? They're like sisters. That gets on my nerves a bit, yeah. I'm like, I just want them to have more scenes together because we see how close Tiff and Whitney are. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is what I'm missing. It annoys me a bit because I watch it. I'm like, I get that, like, the Keegan storyline with Tiffany is important, and it is. But at the same time, we're neglecting Tiffany's relationship with Whitney. And Whitney's relationship with Tiff's very important. And I think they could have worked on, like, getting Tiff to try and get her out, maybe. Mm. Doing, like, a free Whitney. I don't know, anything. But she she genuinely seemed at the time, like, she cared, but not enough to get involved. (laughs) Yeah, she she cared, but just wasn't in any scenes. Like, if it was your sister, you would definitely be trying anything to get her out. She was just there every now and then. Yeah, it's just so weird. You know what else is weird? Great, knowing that Whitney's alone in a house, definitely Ooh. not herself, scared, <laughs> scared, reserved, just goes and bangs on the door. <laughs> Thumps it to death. I know all you can Boom, 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 boom. And then he's like through the letterbox. It's me, it's Grey. Could you not just said that first? Could you not have just knocked once? <laughs> Not once and waited for her to come downstairs. Yeah. Like, literally, she didn't even get out of the, the bedroom before you were, like, banging. And to be fair, what he came to say could have been a text. He came yes. to say our trial was in nine weeks. But there he's banging on the door like he needs her immediately that second. I was just like, why would you do that? And then she's like, it's her home and, like, it's not feeling like her home anymore. And she doesn't feel safe here at all. Which... Should have been a little reference to Grey there. I don't feel safe. Stop knocking like that on my door. Mm-hmm. And like, she doesn't know where to go or what to do anymore. And then they have a hug. <gasps> oh no. Gritney's happening. Gritney. Or we, whatever you prefer. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going for Gritney because it feels like the right name. Gritney. Gritney. It feels uncomfortable. Just like yeah. what we're seeing. Joining the ranks of people who've had bad weeks, here's Chantel. So obviously the other week we saw how Grey left her and we were worried, like, is she still alive? He had beaten her that badly. And then we obviously saw she is still alive. And this week we saw her bruises and he walked in and she was hiding them and she was, like, bandaging them up because of was so bad he realized the damage he'd done but he still didn't seem sorry at all he didn't even really say sorry he just blamed all the pressure that he's under he doesn't even think of her no great normal people have pressure in their lives they don't go around beating people like nelly half to death like this is your wife it's like you say he, he didn't seem sorry he was saying he was sorry and he looked 
sort of mildly upset about it, but more so that he's upset that he did something uh, that's bad, not that it's hurt her. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I feel bad for hurting you. It's more like, oh, that's bad, isn't it? Like that was kind of the reaction. It was like it was the Whitney like, thing. He didn't do the Whitney thing for Whitney. He did it for him because he looked oh, like the hero. Yeah. This is him. He's feeling sorry for himself and not for Chantel, who he's done this to. Absolutely. That's exactly how it seems. It feels like he just is like, oh, I've got such a, so much pressure, Chantel. I'm so sorry. But like, you know, it's life. It's pressure. Listen, Grey, can't become a domestic abuser because you got pressure. You pig. <laughs> you scum. <laughs> you scum. <laughs> so this week, Chantel started a new job. She took on Karat's offer and she's working at the call centre, <gasps> which is exactly what I hoped for. <laughs> it's just the Panasar's house. He literally has like four computers. Like, could she not just do this at home? How could we call this a call centre? How many calls would she be taking a day? I just absolutely love it. It is the funniest thing in the whole world. It's after the fact that you had said, I'm certain the call centre is just Karat's kitchen. And I was like, you don't think it is. And it is. Can't believe it. It is. I just love it. Do you not just feel like maybe he's just created this call centre just for her? Because he's so desperate to kind of get her on a date or something. That's genuinely what I think. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm sorry, when, get her over. we never see them going to work or doing anything. And yet suddenly yeah. they've got enough calls for her to start working from his house, which she could have been doing at home and just taking them from a mobile. I think it's I just, a little ploy. <laughs> just, I just love it. God, this is the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> when I saw it, because yeah. we had just recorded the episode that day for like last week, mm-hmm. and it came on, and I was like, "You've got to be kidding!" I literally <laughs> lost my mind. I was like, "Everything we've just said just happened." It's just come true, yeah. I mean, dreams can come true. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for it, and I just loved it. We got our wish. We got our wish. I mean, whilst Grey is probably not thrilled that she's working at Karat's and Karat's thrilled that she is, Chantel is kind of focusing most of her time on trying to avoid anything, really. Even when she's talking with Karat, like, he makes comments about how she's a good liar and things on the phone. She obviously talking about how she's selling the business. And she's like, kind of doesn't tell her, she doesn't say anything. Then we cut to when she has conversations with Wit. Wit's going on about be, uh, Grey being a good guy. And Chantel's just sat there like, no, he isn't. Silence. Silence. Like, there's all these moments where she just seems to be kind of pulling herself away from everything. So it's really odd, though, isn't it, that we've got this moment where Chantel's stepping out of the house, stepping up a bit to Grey, because Grey would never have her working with Karad. And is going and working um, as she wants to work, but at the same time is still isolating herself from everyone and everything. It's so sad. I thought it was interesting when he said about like how she was a good liar or something along those lines. And mm. she was confused thinking, because we've seen Karat's facial expressions every time like mm. he sees them or he sees her 
like he knows there's something not right like that's a vibe you get I think he does know he definitely does and he says that oh no it's sorry it's because you have kids under 10 and her face goes from <gasps> to oh oh yeah which is again obvious that you know there's something definitely happening so Karat's like right you can mm-hmm. see in his eyes like okay I want him to save her I want that I to happen I do too. I so ship them. I do. I, I, I think he needs to come and rescue her. It did also make me think, what if Karat is familiar with the signs of domestic abuse? Oh, yeah, because their dad's in jail. Mm, what for? Yes. Exactly. He could be a right horrible thug. Might have beaten uh, their mom, or maybe even him. You know, yeah. like, um, might have been physically violent towards his kids. Like, we don't know, but they don't seem to like the dad. And Karat seems to be very familiar with sort of spotting the signs, spotting the the clues, if you would, towards domestic abuse. Because he definitely seems to know something's going on with Chantel and Grey. Oh, yeah, because it's the way he's always around and the questions mm. he asks. And yeah, it's, there's something, it's just something yeah. in his eyes, isn't there? Yeah. I mean... Well, she is avoiding, like, a friend, because it's dead sad seeing her avoid, like, Whitney and stuff, because yeah. they were such good friends. Chantel is sort of moving, moving towards, like, sticking it too great, like, standing up to him more and more. Because, for instance, he goes on and on about the mortgage and how he's just going to, you know, pay for it. She doesn't have to go work because he doesn't want to work on for Karat. Oh, well, this was my favourite bit. He thinks, because obviously she's had to announce that she's not working with the hairdressers because he's like, oh, have you got more clients? And she's like, no, at the call centre, which we all know is just the Panazar's house. (laughs) So anyway, she tells him that. And he's like, I'll stop paying for my Spurs season ticket. I'll stop that. Oh, I'm sorry, Grey, does that pay the mortgage? It's certainly more than a flipping Spurs ticket, especially in London. Oh, yeah, they're, they're London prices, London prices. Yeah, come on. There's no way. And then he's like, obviously delusional. And she's just like, no, I'm working. Someone's got to pay for it. So it's like that whole, again, there's that dynamic where she's kind of pushing back against him. And he's obviously not going to like that. I think we're going to see him get more and more aggressive. Yeah. Because he will not like being belittled by a, a woman of any kind, but certainly not Chantel. And I kind of, I could see her almost telling people, telling people this week, she's getting closer to telling people the truth. Karat, for instance, was that moment, like you said, she almost said something. She almost, you know, got frightened when he kind of seemed to know. Then she obviously almost told Whitney that Gray isn't a good guy. Like, then we have this whole bit with Mitch. And that was the big moment of this week. We all were sat there on the edge of a seat. Just tell him, come on, just tell him. So he finds the business card for Grey's therapist, who we've not seen in a long time, as we keep saying. Where is she? Where is she? (laughs) And you think, oh, he's onto something. She might open up, but it's not that easy. We know it's not that easy for uh, victims of domestic violence just to open up. So obviously she makes excuses and she says, no, no, it is Grey's. Don't worry, it's not mine. Well, her face screams it's not for good reasons. Mm. But then she's like, it's Grey's for Whitney. We gave it to Whitney because of everything she's been through. And Mitch 
believes the excuse because she's quite convincing with it. Yeah. It was so sad. I was just like, oh. I know. But it's like you said. I just want to give you a hug, Chantel. (laughs) I know. And it's like you said, isn't it? Like, this is a realistic interpretation of of domestic abuse. As much as we are like, come on, tell her, tell her, tell him. You know, go around, tell everyone, tell everyone, Chantel. That's not realistic. This woman's a domestic abuse victim. She's been like, you know, broken down for months and months so like it's going to be difficult it's going to be very hard for her but I think we are moving towards Chantel actually exposing Grey breaking you know this like silence she's going to tell someone it might be Karat I actually hope it is oh I would love that I hope it is I hope it's Karat you know what I noticed this week Mm. as well as the call centre Oh, it's christened name, the Panazar's house. Yes. Is that in Grey and Chantel's house, right? When, was it Mitch went to get the, well, he went to get something and he opened and that's why he found the card. Yeah. That new, like, partitioned door that I've never seen before between the living room and the kitchen. Is that where um, therapists has been hiding? Maybe. I've never <laughs> Maybe. seen the door. I was like, where's that been? <laughs> I know. I was like, He's just that golden on here. Where the heck's that come from? <laughs> I was wondering if I've just not noticed it. <laughs> I know. How have we missed that? Now I'm going to keep an eye out for it. So, just like his sister, Keegan isn't having a good week either. No, poor Keegan. He's not really having the best of times, is he? It all started, obviously, back weeks ago with the beginning of this stop and search storyline that he got and the introduction of lots of racial prejudice towards him and now we have seen that kind of flood into all aspects of his life haven't we and this week's no different because he was planning wasn't he Emma to get a a loan with Ikra's business degree exactly I was like oh her business degree could come in handy she hasn't mentioned it in a while I I miss it I was hoping I that was the time. She could have went, we're getting a loan because with my business degree. <laughs> I wish I'd said it. I've missed it so much. Campaign I mean, for her to bring it back. <laughs> I know. We need a campaign. I mean, to be fair, though, it didn't help, did it? It didn't help. They went and saw the guy at the bank and they didn't get a loan. No. Turns out Keegan feels like it was because of the colour of his skin. He feels like the, the man they spoke to had already made his mind up, as as he says during his talk with Denise. Ikra, I feel, is, is less convinced of that. I feel like she was trying to say, no, look, there'll be other opportunities, and that was just one person. Um, and she also and- was saying, like, that there was still work they had to do to get there and like that there were other factors essentially like there was there wasn't just the fact that their their, their skin color wasn't just the only factor like um she obviously didn't deny that it probably it was one but she did say yeah. like look we did ha- our proposal could have been a bit better we still have a lot of work to do we don't have a lot to kind of offer them in return for an investment but poor, poor Keegan is really struggling. And I feel like ever since the stop and search, he's never quite gotten back to how he, he used to be. He's yeah. now very burdened with this 
case with this idea that everyone is looking at his skin color and everyone's racist around him to some degree. And I mean, the only person he could talk to talk to was Denise, wasn't it? Well, she I sat loved, down and spoke I to loved him. originally chatted to Patty about uh-huh. it, and we got to see his experience and um, talk to Keegan. And Keegan felt better having someone he could confide in and talk to and learn from. And now we got to see this with Denise, which I think was another good angle because this was coming from a woman. Yeah, a woman um, who will have experienced ex- the exact things that he is talking about. She would have grown up when it was extremely prevalent. And so it's important. It's like the same with Patty. He gets the same level of experience from both of them, doesn't he? And I feel like he needed that. Yeah, and Denise also, she's had children who like we've seen Libby went on to Oxford. Mm-hmm. And she talks about it not being as simple as that and how from a young age she had to sit Libby down and tell her that she's going to have to work much harder than everyone else to get to where she needs to be. I think what I like most about it, because as we know, we'll go on to um, chatting to Mitch as well later on, that with these scenes, they are educating yeah, they are. And it's important to to address the obvious discrimination that people face in society. And Denise is right. Like, they are going to have to work harder because a lot of the time they might come across someone who is discriminatory or prejudiced to some degree. Um, but unfortunately, I think her message kind of got a little bit muddled in Keegan's head. Because then he basically said, right, I've got to sit Bailey down yeah. and tell her all of this. And I was a bit like, oh, mm. yeah. how are you going to do that? We cut to Bailey, who's doing an art project. And I mean, blooming heck, that was a good art project, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it? I mean, art, art oh, projects, what were they? Oh, they were terrible. Draw your room from a bird's eye perspective. <laughs> the worst part is, right, you draw your room from a bird's eye perspective and they would tell you, you were wrong. Uh, I'm yes. sorry, do you know my room? <laughs> There's not enough things in it. Yeah. They would accuse you of, like, deliberately not adding enough things into the scene. I'm like, I, oh, come I on. like the fact hers was in primary school and ours was in yes. high school and yet hers looked like that and we used to draw... Draw your reflection in a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So yeah, Bailey is saying she wants to be a conservationist or a conservation scientist. And that's when, because Keegan's just talking to her at this point, and that's mm-hmm. when he realises Mitch hasn't had this had- chat with Bailey that Denise had with Libby and Chelsea. I feel like... When, he, when he's struggling with this and when he's say, he gets so frustrated that Mitch hasn't had this conversation, I feel like it's more to do with Mitch not having this conversation with him. Yeah. I feel like generally the stop and search was a big shock for Keegan. And so for him, he feels a little bit neglected by Mitch or like, you know, Karen, for not preparing him enough for that. Yeah, so he wants Bailey to have what he didn't have and be prepared and have this chat because he didn't get that from his dad. I mean, if we remember, Mitch wasn't really around when he was young. No, he wasn't. From what we've learned, he, he just kept going off and then he was with other women. Yeah, that, I mean, that was that was his, his parenting. Really, that was the amount of his parenting back then. I feel like Keegan's desire to do good is he basically argues with Mitch 
accuses of him of not being, you know, there for him or Bailey. And for a little girl, yes, it's obviously important for her to understand that racism exists, but not to crush her dreams, in my opinion. Like, you know, like you, you shouldn't crush someone's dreams just because they might face obstacles. You should just say you might face obstacles, not you won't be able to achieve this. That's the difference about the way that they, they went around it. And of course, what does Mitch do? It goes and crushes all crushes of Bailey's the dreams. Crushes the dreams, yeah. That was the bit, yeah, I agree with you there. Like, there's saying there's obstacles and you will have to overcome them, or there is just don't go for it, which is the wrong mm-hmm. thing, and that's what it felt like. Yeah, it did, <laughs> they were didn't doing. it? I was like, great pep talk, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, yes, tell her she should face obstacles and really talk it through, but don't just go, don't go for it, because this girl should be going for it. Yeah, exactly. She's a genius. She's like a little child genius. I know. She knows everything. I know. She's, she's like, like Greta Thunberg or I know. something. That's who I was thinking of. <laughs> like, literally, she's probably going to save the planet. Like, you know, you can't crush her dreams. Bailey for PM, you know. <laughs> yeah, come on. I'm a <laughs> So, Bailey did say, listen, Dad, I have noticed that there's differences between me and other girls. And I imagine she probably has. Like, she uses the, the example that her teacher can't braid her hair like she does the other girls. Mitch now feels bad. He's now seeing racism everywhere, essentially. He thinks that, like, even his oldest friends and stuff and his closest friends are now looking at him differently or treating him differently. I think now he spoke to Keegan as well. He's remembering him growing up. And yes. he just wants to protect his loved ones from it. And that's yeah. what's affecting him because he's... He talks to Karen, he talks about like what his life was like and how mm-hmm. he just doesn't want them to go through the same thing, but he, he knows it'll happen. Yeah, he knows that inevitably these these kinds of, you know, awful situations will arise at, at some point. And I mean, it's really sad because now it's almost like Mitch is now distraught over this, Bailey's distraught over this, and Keegan is still very, very traumatized from that's for lack of a better word i feel like he's been traumatized by his experience with stop and search and his treatment at the hands of the police and things i feel like when he's talking to tiff tiff doesn't quite understand the conversation i mean he says it himself like he goes to her it's always going to be harder for for people like me and bailey and things like that and still tiff quite doesn't understand because tiff says to him if you look for it you will find it everywhere and in a way, she is right. If you do look for it, you will see it everywhere. You'll see enemies where there are only friends. Or, you know, you'll find it somehow if you do look for it. But I feel like, Tiff, that was probably not the best time to say it to your boyfriend who's struggling with this concept. Like, because then he just thinks, well, everyone's just not listening to us anyway. Yeah, because you never have scenes of them really talking about the issue or even Tiff kind of learning or consoling. It's kind of just like, yeah, but. Yeah, that is what it's a bit like. And I was a, I was a bit like, Tiff, maybe maybe don't argue about this tonight. Yeah, maybe, maybe just, just listen. and Listen. Yeah. Before, before he's even got the words out of his mouth, you're already telling him no. There is groups out there as well that are specifically designed towards civil rights and, um, you know, the protection of people of colour and, and dealing with racism. Maybe she should actually get in touch with some of these groups. That might help him. If he has a conversation with people who experience it on a daily basis or have, 
you know, have got advice for her. Maybe she needs to educate herself just a little and he can also educate himself on where she's coming from. Yeah, that might be a good storyline, actually. Seeing them both work through it together from two Uh different points of view and, like, going to groups. That would be quite good. It would also educate all of us from different points of view as well. I love when they tackle really important issues and, like, throw light onto them like they've done with stalking they've done with domestic violence and now they're doing with keegan's as well i think we've said this before and like they they are tackling really hard stuff and Mm. i'm I'm really enjoying it i am too so whilst keegan and tiss relationship has hit a bit of a rocky patch flipping heck sharon's relationship with her kid has gone completely downhill so the week kicks off with sharon and the calf with a baby and then he's crying, she's had enough, and she leaves him with Linda. And then Karen walks in, and she's very excited to see a grandson, who I don't believe is a grandson, because it's definitely Phil's baby, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, we all know this. <laughs> Waiting for that reveal. I have been since the pregnancy, to be fair. Yeah. Linda says she's been left with the baby, and they get talking, and Karen's like, oh, I picked his name, you know. And yeah, then they both Karen. get a bit suspicious. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's about time people started worrying about Sharon because I feel I like, for the, for like since Denny's death, no one quite was observing the way she was behaving with this kid. And like, there's clear signs of like postpartum depression yeah. and also just signs of, you know, being depressed at the fact that she's lost her child. Like she's grieving. She's a grieving woman. And she's had very little actual real support. Like, I know, like, she obviously lives with Ian, but he's always out places or trying to cover up the fact that he's murdered Denny, effectively. And Kathy's working all the time in the the cafe or, like, the Prince Albert, so she can't be there. She's got no support network, really, anymore, because the Mitchells are, like, her enemy, essentially. They're responsible, in part, for why Denny's dead. She's been very cut off. So, like, it is a bit odd that only now people are starting to be like, Hmm. something's not quite right. But yes, it's Karen and Linda. They're the first ones. They're doing their best detective work. Finally, Mitchell, yeah. yeah. It does Mitchell feel like that. Money. It feels like no one's actually took time out to go and see if she's all right. I know. That's what I feel like. I mean, she's like, lost her son. Yeah. She's shown signs that, yeah, like postpartum depression. Yeah. She doesn't want to be near her baby. She's having very depressive thoughts. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's spending all day looking at Denny's old pictures and stuff and just basically neglecting the baby's needs, like emotional needs at least. And I feel like it's really sad. It's like the saddest storyline in all of like this year's storylines. But what's even sadder is that no one's kind of went, oh, hold on, Sharon needs help. Maybe we should really concentrate on Sharon's mental health. Yeah. Like, how about actually giving her a little bit of time to digest the fact that her own her first child is dead her firstborn son yeah give her time to actually process this news because it's going to take a while yeah i just think it was so weird but i mean whilst they're you know chatting and stuff and discussing how bad of a mother sharon is like they come to the realization that karen's named sharon's baby and clearly sharon doesn't really care and that linda nearly always has them or karen normally has Mm -hmm. them and they've worked out that she's constantly dropping them off with both of them and never yeah. really with them. Yeah. She's always trying to avoid being close to him. 
And that's what's so sad because, like, she's a good mother when she's a, a mother. And I think Linda, being another mother and who's also struggled, she is like, I want to be there for my friend. I'm going to go and, you know, help her through this. And her idea of doing that begins with, well, let's get his name registered properly then. Official. Let's make this official. And she goes. She makes sure Sharon goes and does it. But again, Sharon's heart isn't in it, is no. it? She's, she's somewhere else. Somewhere else in her, in her head. She's not here. And that becomes even more evident when they come home. Sharon gets a phone call to tell her that Danny's body's released. And that's it. Like, she just basically leaves the baby again. And she gives she... them to Linda and's like, can you bath them? Because this is important. And Linda obviously goes and does that. Yeah, she's a good friend, so she will. The next day, we have Sharon screaming at Caden, saying, like, what is wrong with you? Cause... <laughs> Proper giving us, like, Louise vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it all of Keanu's supposed babies that cause... Like people to scream at them. <laughs> Keanu! Yeah. <laughs> she says Denny wasn't a crier, and Kathy says, We've got to remember all babies are different. But that again is making Sharon go straight back to thinking about Denny. I know. Like, it must they be hard because, like, as Denny was dying, she was giving birth to this baby, and I think that's always going to be at the forefront of her mind. And I think. That's a, that's a reason she's pushing him away. And she's lost that one son that she, she lived for, she done everything yeah. for, she absolutely adored him. The thing is, as well, every, think about it from this perspective, right? Yes, everyone expects Sharon to just be absolutely fine. But she also has to think about the future. Every single birthday of that baby, she is going to be reminded of the death of her first child the child she had with Dennis, you know, the love of her life. I mean, that's like, no wonder she's struggling when she's got that thought looming over her. And then we end up with the really sad scene where Sharon Sharon goes to see Denny, like in his, in his coffin, essentially, at the funeral parlour. And she's left she's left the baby with Karen, well, she's done done this, which obviously it's understandable yeah. at this point. She's going to see her dead son, and she goes, and it's really devastating. She's very distraught. So yeah, she says she would love one more hour with him, and mentions how proud that that his dad would be of him. And mm. the only good thing to come out of this is that they would meet now, I know. and they would rest in peace together. And she will never love anyone like she did him. That's what's so sad. Like that last line, I'll never love anyone like I loved you. That is so heart wrenching, isn't it? Like, and I, I, it's true. It's very real. This storyline's very heartbreaking because it is. It's very real. It's captured those real feelings that every parent has or every, you know, family member has for, for someone who they deeply, deeply care for. And I suppose after seeing Denny, it, it just reaffirms all these negative thoughts in Sharon's head that just happened towards the baby. She won't ever... She feels like she'll never love this baby like she loved Denny. She she feels like this baby's a stranger to her. And so when she sees that Karen, she, she pops in, doesn't she, and just, just sees Karen with the baby in the laundrette talking about how much the baby looks like Keanu when really... We know it isn't Keanu's. 
it's not Keanu. It was clearly Phil's. Imagine if That's... it actually was, and we're like, what the hell? <laughs> it's not I'll going be to be. I'll be shocked if they go down that route. I'll be so. That'll be more of a shock to me if it, if it was actually Keanu's. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Keanu's. That would be shocking. Keanu's. Yes, yeah, sorry, Keanu's. <laughs> Keanu's. Um, and so she sees that and is immediately withdrawn again because she obviously holds Keanu responsible as well for oh, the death yeah. of her son and everyone involved in that drama. Well, she says um, when he went to the hospital that it, if she never got with him, none of this would have happened and she blamed him then. So, yeah, yeah, he's definitely playing a part in this. Yeah, of course. And so she, when she hears what Karen says, she's just like, can't take it. She just leaves. She just backs out and just disappears. She's just like, nah, can't have that baby near us. I did like what happened next with the chat with Denise because we were saying... Yeah, remember Phil when you slept with Denise and had a baby? Well, she's yeah. bringing that back up. <laughs> yes, exactly. About time. It is. Phil's like such an adulterer. Why is he judging our Sharon? Like, that's shocking. It was nice to see them actually talk about it, but also Sharon heard a few things from Denise that made her think. I don't know if that's where Denise was wanting it to go, but... Yeah, I don't know that that was where Denise was aiming for. <laughs> no, I don't think she was, but Sharon... Had learned something from it and thought, oh, that might that might be an idea because Denise mentions how she got Raymond adopted, and she said she couldn't have given him the life that he's getting now. Yeah, and she says it's not about not just providing financially or something. It's about being able to give him what he emotionally needs, the love of a parent, and. You know, for Sharon, who has just had loads and loads of people telling her, no, no, this baby's the most important thing in the world. No, no, you've got to keep this baby. Sharon, this is the, the priority right now. For her to hear someone else tell her, well, actually, you don't have to keep this baby if you can't, if you can't look after it, if you feel you physically can't give what this baby needs, then you don't have to, to keep it. You can give it a better life by giving it up. And... It has a different reaction, I think, to what, like you said, Denise was referring to. Because what Denise is referring to is, is giving it a completely fresh start um, with a, a new family somewhere else. Sharon basically goes, right, great idea. Karen's good with him. Karen's good with him. I'll just take him. I'll just take him and leave him with Karen. That was so weird. There was like no questions asked at all. She just handed him over and they didn't check with her or anything. They just were like, Oh. Yeah, it was okay. so weird. Karen's just like, okay. <laughs> I shall have him. <laughs> I was like, come on, Karen. This isn't cheap by buy the dozen. We can't, we can't have any more kids in this tiny little cramped flat. So then she obviously just returns home and Karen's left with this baby. And when she's talking to Ian, Ian at first reacts a little bit like, you need to calm down, all this, and is trying to reassure her that, like, things will be all right. Because she's freaking out after, obviously, giving her baby up and then knowing that she's always going to see him every day. She's going to see Caden. Ian, I think quite quite humorously, if somewhat distasteful, <laughs> yes, says, yes. <laughs> just have a biscuit. Denny's favourite. <laughs> Denny will not be able to have them anymore. He loved to have one in the kitchen. Oh. After that, that's it. Sharon can't cope. <laughs> like that tips are over the edge. The biscuit comment, and <laughs> um, so Ian then goes to see Karen with a p- 
proposition. Move away. I'll give you money. <laughs> Dog Ian's out. <laughs> That's just not how it works, Ian. Ian just needs to put on his leather jacket and then start deck collecting. That's what he needs to do next. And so he throws some cash and Karen's like, I'm not, I'm not leaving. Like, I've got family, I've got friends here, I've got a job. Like, but then she does start to think, well, if it's a choice between leaving with my grandson or putting Caden into care, I might have to choose to leave. And after not questioning at all the other day being left with Caden, she finally goes and questions Sharon because this bit's a bit too much. It's like, yeah, Ian's kind of gave me money <laughs> to yeah. leave with your baby. And she's like, what? They chatted out and Karen's trying to reason with her like, I can give you him back at any time when you're ready. And she's like, no, Ian's right. Move away with the yeah. baby. <laughs> it's just, just like, no, Ian's is completely right, Karen. Get out of the square. <laughs> Don't ever come back. So then poor Karen's like, well, it's a choice now between him going into care. Because obviously, like, Sharon's like, I've got to get rid of this baby. Karen's like, well, I'm not having my grandson go into care. It's obviously the only thing she has left of Keanu, because Keanu's done a runner and disappeared into the mist. And so she's like, I'm going to have to look after this baby. So she considers leaving. Mitch is like, hold on, we can't just up sticks. Like, our life's here. A whole family are like, what? And obviously Grey's there to do the legal stuff. Like, can't do that. <laughs> I do love that. Grey's like, mm, no. <laughs> Don't know that that's legal. <laughs> and obviously Bailey's really upset because she's she sees Karen as a mom now. And she's already lost hers. And now this is another one she could be losing. And she's really upset in her room. And we see Keegan going, check she's all right. Well... Outside, Karen and Billy are just having a good joke about everything. Oh, yeah, that was creepy, wasn't it? They were joking about like continuing on their like, you know, whatever you want to call it, sexy time, friends with benefits. I don't know what they are. Like, no, I don't. I'm not quite clear on that. So, yeah, they're not really doing the best parenting, and obviously, we've already discussed how Mitch kind of destroyed Bailey's dreams of being a conservationist or a scientist. So she doesn't want to speak to her dad. She clearly doesn't want to speak to Karen, who's thinking about just abandoning her. God knows why Billy's here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't know what support he's going to give to Also, this. why is Billy not talking to the Mitchells or anything? Like, he is oh, one. So and yet he just seems to hover and go, yeah, I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. Could he not be like a middleman? And maybe, yeah. like, talk through it with people and sort it out? Very, very strange situation. Obviously, Keegan is let into the room, says that, Bailey's trashed her diorama and is there to comfort her. Thank God someone's there to comfort that child. And Karen is basically just left not knowing really what her options are. Linda's not drinking from the bottle. We're so proud of Linda. She hasn't been drinking from the bottle. Yay! Yay! She's doing very well and now she believes she is ready to collect Ollie from school. Yes! Such a big moment for her, isn't it? Because, like, the last time she was there, she had a bit too much ice cream, if you know what I mean. Because, uh, you know, that was actually she just took oh, yeah. some ice cream. She had some ice cream, yes. Yeah. 
She just had a little bit too much ice cream. But what flavour was that, Linda? Yeah. <laughs> Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> just that some gin. Classic. Just some gin ice cream, you know. <laughs> yeah, so now she's completely turned a corner. I mean, I have to question why everyone was just letting her walk all the way there on crutches and not giving her any help. Right. Where is Walford Primary? Because there's no way if it was far away, she could have walked all that way in crutches. No, she's broken her, like, foot, her ankle. Even, actually, if it was around the corner, I would have liked someone to have went and helped her. Shouldn't Shirley be like, oh, listen, Linda, I know we're not the best of friends, but I'll come help, because it's me grandson. Well, yeah, because Shirley was the one who was so angry anyway that she was taking things too quickly. So you would think she would support her and just go with her, because they had made up. And now all of a sudden they're having arguments again. (laughs) Yeah, I did love that. Like, you know... Everyone's so proud of Linda, but before before she can get too ahead of herself, Shirley's like, just remember, Linda, just remember, you're on the first step. Just knocking her down a peg. You're not cured yet. It's like, great, great. That'll help us, Shirley. That's a perfect encouragement. And if you think, actually, Linda used to drive to Alford Primary, so it can't be that close. I was just about to say, she used to use a car to get there, so it can't be just around the blimmin' corner, can it? No, so she walked all the way there on crutches, poor thing. Eee, terrible. And I mean, I know she's trying to obviously move on from, from everything that's happened. She's, uh, despite what Shirley says, um, she is trying to move forward. And yes, she's not getting the most positive encouragement. But she's like, I tell you what, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to be the bigger person and apologise to those horrible playground witches. And she does, and it doesn't go down well with them. No. No. No, I mean, as we all know, like, this is exactly what would happen if you try and apologise to a group of spiteful, horrible people. <laughs> Why are they acting like they're mean girls? They're adults. They are. They're like little kids themselves. It's, like, ridiculous. It's actually embarrassing. Linda. Like, mm, it's like, no, love, you need to get a long, hard grip of yourself like look at the age of you like come on it does just make them look like kids i don't understand why they're judging each other they're only picking the kids up from school stop judging i know they're like we'll never forgive you linda oh my god like get a grip and so as they're like trying to bully linda in that really childish way isaac comes over you know breaks up the cats doesn't he? he's like go on away with you yeah <laughs> like, we find out she- isaac's working obviously at Walford Primary now he's quit his other job and he's gonna do a bit of uh, supply teacher work is it yeah yeah yeah. I think he's going to do that so he sees her and he comes to the rescue and he makes the other women feel very angry oh yeah Linda's getting special attention and that's obviously going to rub them the wrong way they are human they're like we're meant to be the parents who the teacher fancies not Linda like that's kind of what they're like aren't they? they're like proper mean girl I'm so they're glad like, he came yeah. to our rescue I was like haha yeah <laughs> away with you crones <laughs> like, that was what it was like wasn't it <laughs> well they skulk off anyway and he escorts her back to the Vic his favourite place they go for a drink obviously Linda's not drinking but he's having a few and then, then they turn up, don't they, Emma? That was weird. That was so weird. Why would you go out of your way to go and be annoying? Like, and confront just... someone over nothing. Yeah, literally confront her over something she's just apologised for and that happened 
God knows how long ago. Yeah. Just shut up. Like, how sad Get do you have right? to be? How petty and sad do you have to be to actually go and find the pub and go and confront exactly. that over nothing? Well, do you know what? Linda says it best, doesn't she? She just turns around and goes, don't you think you should get like a hobby or a job or something? Because <laughs> yeah. it is true. I love when and... Linda said that it showed how boring Shelley's life was and that oh, and that she was so invested that she came around and their kids are the ones at school. Not them. Exactly. That is the main point. They're acting like children. Tracy was in the background, loving life. She was so enjoying it. And then oh. they picked up that Isaac was obviously with Linda and they were getting more and more annoyed. Because then they were like, oh, we can definitely turn this into something because we're petty adults. It's so pathetic. What I loved about it, though, at the end, it was Linda and Mick so happy together. And I feel like we haven't seen that in so long. I've been waiting for this. It's it's just been a long, hard road, Emma. (laughs) Just so happy. Favourite scene of the week. Finding out that... The Panazars call centre was, in fact, their house. <laughs> Favourite scene of the week. It's time for this week's Slapping Dan. And this week it goes to Danny for not saying hello, Ben, and saying hello, chicken. Now it's time for this week's hero or heroes of the week yes we have two and they are linda and denise well firstly it has to be denise because of one crucial fact she went around this week helping every soul out she was like a saintly figure she just descended (laughs) upon them didn't she she literally was keegan's having problems she was there Sharon's having problems. She was there. <laughs> and if and we, we go got... back to the week before, Lola was having problems. She was there. Yes. Jay was having problems. She was there. <laughs> she's, she's been on it, Denise. So we we'll have to give her some credit. Yeah, we love we'll Denise. We have to give her some credit. We we'll love Denise. Love Denise. And well, well, she's not alone, <laughs> though. She's not alone. Because we also have to give credit to Linda for being absolutely hilarious and totally trashing those horrible playground mothers i mean she said it best herself didn't she we're not in school our kids are oh exactly i loved when she teared them down and tracy was in the background just smirking (laughs) (laughs) she was loving it and also for powering through and she's sticking to it and she's not gone back to the drink and we are very proud of linda now it's time for this week's ratings and as we have two heroes we're going to take a person each so I'm going to have Linda and Connor's going to have Denise. I'm going to rate mine 2.5 Lindas. And I'm going to rate it 2.5 Denises. To me, Emma, it was an all right week. Yeah. It was an all right week. A lot did happen, but like, I just don't know. I, I did. There could have been more. Like, there was big stories, but they didn't quite hit a peak. They kind of just went, meh. That is it. That is what it is. All these big stories. It was. It was like a peanut or something. It was so weird. I just. I, it has to be two point five for me. And two point five for me. Now it's time to play best of friends. Yay! 
the EastEnders edition, which has nothing in common with the TV show Best of Friends. <laughs> Do you remember they used to have to have the sweet? And if their tongue turned a different colour, yes! then they were picked to go for a treat or a trick. <laughs> <laughs> We should do that actually eventually. Get little cloud sweets. <laughs> <laughs> so the game is simple, Emma, as all good games are. I'm going to ask a series of questions related to EastEnders and my personal preferences. And all you have to do is just match the answers that I give. Ooh, or okay. I gave, I should say. <laughs> so, are you ready? I am. So first question. Which family would I most want to be a part of? Well, I'm hoping it's like the fanfic and it's the Slaters. Correct! Yay! Question number two. Who would I push off a cliff if I could? (laughs) Oh my God, there's a list. Um, So where do I start? Is this past characters as well as present? Yes, yes, all characters. So, like, Carol would definitely be on there. Is it Carol? (laughs) Yes! (laughs) She knows me so well. (laughs) This is the third question. Which character would I date if I could? Oh, I wonder who it could be. Jay. Of course! (laughs) I'm a thirsty queen, I can't help it. Question number four. Name the episode I love the most. And if you can't name it, just like describe something that happened in it. Like that that would also be acceptable. Oh, you have a few. No, I do. Is it the fireworks one? Correct. Yes. Oh my god. Yes, yes, it is that. It's the Frank and Pat reveal where Peggy obviously goes, Hope you enjoyed, enjoyed the, the fireworks. fireworks. Good night. I love it. That's like my all-time fave. Your final normal question now before we go on to the quick fire round. So your final question for this round is, if I could go on a night out in EastEnders land, where would I go and do it? Oh, would you go to the Prince Albert by any chance? Oh, no. No, sorry. Do you want to know where I would go? I would go to the Roxy with Claudette and No, I did think if you were going to go anywhere, it would be with Aunt Babe, to be fair. Or maybe Balam. That was my other option. Yeah. So, time for your quick fire round. Ooh, okay. So, this is really simple. I'm just going to give you um, two options, and you tell me which one of those options I prefer. Okay. Balam or Cryed? Balam. Of course. Aunt Babe or Claudette? Aunt Babe. Of course. Ben or Jay? Jay. Yes. Ian or Phil? Ooh. Phil? Yes. Oh, God. Peggy or Pat? Peggy. Correct. You got them all right there. This week's episode was sponsored by Karat's Call Centre, a.k.a. his own house. If you need to get rid of your husband, or maybe just some vermin, call Karat's Call Centre. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night.